Second Peter chapter 3, verse 16, 1, 2, reading. May God bless the reading of his word. Now here, the apostle Peter warned the Christians. Now, as much as I want you to study the word, as much as I want you to know the word, as much as I want you to be um, always remembering the word of God. Now, he issues a warning in chapter 3, verse 16. Now, he says, even when the apostle Paul writes scriptures, like Peter himself, he wrote scriptures. But he says, now, speaking of these things, many things, doctrines, um, theology, teachings, instructions, commandments. Now he says, now some of these things are hard to be understood. Now last week we studied, why does God give specific gifts? Christ said when he ascended to heaven, he gave specific gifts to the church. And one of them is pastor teachers. Why? Because there will be things hard to be understood. Do not have the idea, if I emphasize again and again, that church Bible studies, church is not important. Because there are things that God himself says are hard to be understood. That is why there are people that he will raise, train them in the word. They spend their life studying the word of God and continue to study the word of God through their lives. Now here I want to emphasize, no church should ever think, well, someone is a doctor, someone is a professor in the university, someone is a great teacher, someone is a CEO, must be wonderful people, very clever, very capable, and therefore make him a pastor. They may be very good at the things of the world, but the things of God are people who got called, trained, and God will use them. So, now he said things are hard to be understood. And what is the warning? Which they, they are unlearned and unstable. Number one, unlearned. Means they do not think that they need to learn from Peter and Paul um, themselves. They don't need to learn. They, they can understand and they can... They can um, they can make things out. That is why we get so many problems in Christianity and in the church. People come up with ideas without understanding scriptures, without understanding theology, causing a lot of problems. And they are unlearned and unstable. Why unstable? Well, in the first place, they do not have strong foundation. So they hear this, they hear that, then they begin to say, well, it should be this, it should be that. Rest. Do you know what is rest? Rest means they twist and turn and, and, and handle God's word in a twisted way. They struggle with it as they do with other scriptures, other parts of scriptures. There is no consistency. There is no theology. They read whatever they want to read and as a result, to their own destruction. All right, so Christians, we must be warned about this. You must know the word of God those of you who went through um, DHW on Isaiah, and there must be some reason that must be life and death that you should not be studying the Word of God with us in church. That is where God appointed it to understand scriptures. Isaiah, the book of Isaiah is very complex. There's no reason why you can't be studying that. And what does God say in Isaiah? Precept upon precept. You cannot be impatient 
And you must start from one precept, another precept. I've heard that many times. I know that already, so I'm not coming to church. It's precept upon precept upon precept. In God's timing, He's building these things up. Parents, if you want to bring up godly seed, if you are not intensive in your study of God's Word, you are going to fail. It is almost guaranteed that you will teach your child the wrong things because your mind is most of the time precept upon precept of the world is building up in you. And there's very little in the week that is precept upon precept of God's Word that is undoing the things that your friends, your relatives, television, media, whatever it is that is building up in you. is almost guaranteed. Now, why do I want to say this? Because we are going to learn about the Ten Commandments. And there is a segment of Christianity that do not believe in the Ten Commandments. And in fact, they would say any, teach, any church that teaches the Ten Commandments is legalistic. All right? It's the law. You do not teach that anymore. And to the point where many Christians hardly know the Ten Commandments. I shared this many times. There's this young man, young Christian in the U.S. He realized this and he went around interviewing Christians on the street. Are you a Christian? Yes. Now, can you tell me about the Ten Commandments? Now, it ranged from I've never heard of it and there are Christians who have been attending church. Nothing is mentioned about the Ten Commandments. Then he asked another and said, well, I, I heard about it. Is it ten? Ten. All right, ten. He said, another one, can you name one of them? Some of them name something that is not in there. And some of them say something about like uh, you know don't don't uh, don't don't have uh, relation don't have relationship outside marriage. They can't even say what it is. Adultery can't even say that. Why is the majority of Christians not knowing the Ten Commandments? Is it important? Is it legalism? Now many Christians for many years, even attending BP churches. In their senior age, you ask them, can you name the Ten Commandments? Or their grandchildren that say, um, um, uh, Grandpa or Grandma, what is the Fifth Commandment? Fifth Commandment, they usually remember. All right? Honor thy father and mother. If you want to see good days, if you don't be cursed by God, ah, honor. That they remember. Uh, can you tell me what is Commandment number eight? Nothing. They do not even know which commandment is which. Now, why is it like that? Well, first and foremost, because they say it's legalism, but know this. Now, I want you to turn. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 22, verse 40. Matthew chapter 22, verse 40. Now, this was for a long time, our prayer meeting memory verse. Now let us read from verses um, 36 to 40, reading. Then one of them, uh, sorry, Matthew 22, verse 35 to 40, reading. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt, not, thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, so many Christians, they say, you see, 
Even Christ himself did not mention the Ten Commandments anymore. When asked when he was on earth, Christ said, the ten, ten, forget about them. You only remember two. All right? And what are the two? So many Christians today say, well, the, all we need to remember is love God. Love God. So as long as we love God, forget about the rest of the deed. The ten is waste of time. It's legalism. It's Old Testament. Don't do this, do this, don't do this. Just love God. As long as you love God. <clears throat> and then it said, and the second one is, just love one another. So love God and love one another. Christ himself said that, just, just have this love. That is all that matters. So they say, well, please, you don't need to study the Bible in so much detail, all right? Don't have to labor. Just remember these two principles and you can live the rest of your Christian life. Now, is this what Christ is saying? How do you know whether you are loving God rightly? It's based on what God says. How do you know whether you're loving your neighbor rightly? Because you may be loving your children, you may loving, be loving another Christian the wrong way. They sin and they say, I, I love you, so I, I won't say anything. Is that the right love? Are you loving God the right way? The love of God, Christ said repeatedly when he was on earth, if any man love me, he will. He will what? He will keep my commandments. The details, look at verse 40. Christ said, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. What is Christ saying? Do not misunderstand that Christ is saying just these two commandments. No, Christ explained on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Meaning he, he's saying this. This is the summary of all the commandments that the prophets have written, that the laws have been given, all the prophets, what they've written and all the laws in, my, in the Word of God is derived from these two commandments. The first five commandments, to love God. The second tablet, the next five commandments, to love men. All right? For example, or you want to do four or six, we'll talk about later. All right? So God is saying the first five is simply about loving God with your all. The second five, loving men with as God expects you to love them. And the details of everything hangs on these two. So Christian, are the Ten Commandments important? Absolutely. Now, I want to cover a few verses before we even start on the Ten Commandments. We won't start that this week. A few verses which which maybe you yourself struggle with. Maybe some Christians will ask you, you mean your church teaches the Ten Commandments? They hear you teaching your children the Ten Commandments and say, come on, that's legalism. Nobody teaches that anymore. Now, please know this. When Christ says that on, on these two overall summarizing commandments hang all the law and the prophets, would you be able to guess why would Satan not want the churches to teach the Ten Commandments anymore. Very simple reason. God himself said, all the teachings hang on the Ten Commandments. And if you do not know the Ten Commandments, then you are going to love God wrongly, you are going to love men wrongly, and you're going to live a wrong Christian life. What did, what did Peter say? There will be those that will rest and twist God's word to their own destruction. You see, the best way to destroy your life is to cause you to have the wrong understanding of God's word 
and interpret it wrongly and therefore live wrongly to your own destruction. Why, if when Christians do not know the Ten Commandments on which all the commandments hang, and ask, what does God expect you to do? Don't really know, just love, that's all. And you may be doing something wrong, making wrong choices, living in the wrong way, you do not know. So Christian, what are some of the verses that make Christians say it is not necessary? Now please turn to, I'm just quoting a few common popular ones, like Romans chapter 10 verse 4. Romans chapter 10 verse 4. These are the common ones. And maybe you yourself also wonder, oh no, I'm attending a church that teaches the Ten Commandments. When, when Romans chapter 10, verse 4 says this, there was something wrong with this church. Romans chapter 10, verse 4. Now, one, two, wait, hang on. What's happened? All right, 10, 4, reading. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. So when you read this, you say, you know, anyone who believes in Christ, that it is the end of the law for righteousness. God doesn't expect you to obey the Ten Commandments for, to be righteous before Him. It is the end of it already. So you are saved by grace. That is all. So how do you explain that? All right, very quickly. Let us, actually, no time to test, all right? Um, but there must be time to test this. Now, what, what are the principles that we learned about how to read scriptures, how not to rest scriptures to our own destruction? What is the first C? Call it, uh, Cornelius. Context. So, first thing, context. Is it what God is saying? Now, context, so read verse chapter 10. Now, first and foremost, verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. First of all, the context is about salvation. All right? And then, and it says in verse 6, verse 5. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the Lord, that the man that doeth this thing shall live by them, but the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wife, saying, not in, the, not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? Now, so he is explaining. Now, the, the Jewish people especially, and so who, who used to think that obeying the law, and they, they emphasized so much on keeping the Ten Commandments, that they, to the point where it's, the Ten Commandments must be kept in order to be saved. Now, what did then Paul explain in verse 10? For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 11, For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. And then it says, verse 12, For there is no difference between Jew and Greek. The, same, the Lord is same over all. Verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Jews try to impose on the Gentiles. You must obey the Ten Commandments in order to be saved. And all kinds of laws that we, that we Jews practice. They say, no, there's no difference. Salvation, whether Jew or Gentiles, is very simple. By faith, whosoever believeth on him will not be ashamed. He will not be afraid of death. He will not be ashamed on the day of judgment. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The context is about salvation. So when you read Christ is the end of the law for righteousness, 
Paul explained, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness in order to be saved for everyone that believeth. But the Jews still would not believe. No, 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 no. It's by obeying the Ten Commandments and the laws. That is how you be saved. They will not believe. But those who believe, how do they get righteousness for salvation? By simply asking God to forgive. So this is one verse. They will quote you. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. Christ is not the end of the Ten Commandments. All right? Now, in fact, can you please um, turn to Matthew chapter 5? Matthew chapter 5. Is Christ the end of the law? Matthew chapter 5. Verses 17 to 19. Let's read 17 to 19. Reading. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill for verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments shall be teach and shall teach men so. He shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of God. What did Christ say? Did he say Christ is the end of the law? No, he said, as long as you are a believer, then you do not, you have stopped trying to depend on your righteousness of obeying God to be saved. But if you are a believer, then, no, he says this, I did not come to, to, to um, destroy the law. In fact, I come to make sure that you understand it and know it and you watch me fulfill it. Now, verse 19 is key. The churches and Christians that continue to attack churches who teach the Ten Commandments and they're legalistic, teach them to believe us, huh? to obey God. What did God say? Therefore shall anyone break these commandments, meaning you and I. If you do not know the Ten Commandments, you break it without knowing. You'll be called the least in the kingdom of God. Yes, you are saved. But when you enter the kingdom of God, a life that is wasted in disobedience without you even knowing. That's a great, great plan of Satan. Number two, now he says, and shall teach men so. He shall be called the least in the kingdom. So those that teach, you do not need to obey the Ten Commandments. What's wrong with you? Forget about them. Just laugh. What does God say? they will be called the least in the kingdom of God. Now, this is plain. So, know that the ten co that commandments of God, including the Ten Commandments, are not to be forgotten, but to be taught. Taught and taught and taught so that believers will live and be great in the kingdom of God. Great not for your pride. Huh? Great mean, means you have live a life that is not displeasing to God. Now, next one, Romans chapter 6, verse 14. The next verse, quickly, Romans chapter 6. Verse 15. Okay. Now let's read together. Um, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. 
Now, actually that is not... Uh, verse 14, verse 14. Read together. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. You see, again they say, you are not under the law anymore. Why are you interested in the Ten Commandments? Why do you teach them? Because don't you know you are under grace? So this verse, this phrase is very common. You are not under the law, you are under grace. Hmm? Parents say, what is the seventh commandment? Or what is the ninth commandment? All right? And then you tell your daddy, Daddy, I'm not under law anymore. I'm under grace. I'm saved by grace. Now again, well, context, all right? Context and consistency with other scriptures, right? Now, let's just stay at context. First and foremost, verse 15 already tells you, the next verse, what then, shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Look at verse 6, uh, chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Now, the whole problem in the church was this. There were Christians, even back then, so-called Christians. They said, you know, you're saved by grace. You, the other extreme of the Pharisees, you don't have to keep worrying about repenting, what God wants you to do. Just go out and enjoy your life. In fact, God saved you to, because He loved you and He wants you to have what you want. So I don't need to know the Ten Commandments anymore. I don't need to obey God's commandments. So I do not need to study God's Word in detail, number one. Number two, then I live as I wish, as long as in my heart I know that I love God. And I want to say this again. Sometimes you share the Gospel with people. I say, I'm a Christian. They say, oh, that's wonderful. Then you talk about Christian walk. Then I say, you know, um, preacher, you know, actually, I don't read the Bible. And, and neither do I go to church to study the Word. I say, why? They say, you know, as long as I know in my heart I love God and I love others, Christ said that is enough. As long as in my heart I know that I love God. How do you know? Right? So many of Christians were in that state. So Paul says, what? Just because you are saved by grace, you think that the law is of no importance anymore and therefore you go out and do whatever you want and ignore the law? No, he says, no, you cannot think like that. So the context already tells you. We are not under the law, but under grace. What is it saying? Actually, what is it saying? Is it about salvation? No, it is not. What do you think it is saying? Right, maybe I ask the fathers. So, uh, Howard, all right? Caleb comes to you, Dad, please don't grill me on the Ten Commandments. I'm not under the law, but under grace. He quotes you verse 14. How are you going to answer him? Come, son, please sit down here and let me answer the word, explain to you so that you do not rest scripture to your own destruction. All right? In fact, before your destruction, I will have to cane you already. All right, so, how would you answer? What is this about then, daddy? It's living a sanctified life. All right, very good. You see, once you go to context, you, you can immediately answer yourself and to others. Now, verse 13, is saying, Neither yield your members and instruments to unrighteousness, but yield yourselves unto God. For those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. If you are a believer, means you are alive from the dead, then please do not live in sin anymore. Means please do not continue to live a life that breaks God's commandments. What is sin? Sin is the transgression of God's law. That is the definition. 
So, they say, don't sin means don't transgress God's law. Yes, you are saved by grace. But please don't continue in transgressing God's law. Now, look at... Um, so, that is one clear, simple understanding from context. Now, maybe we... Now, remember this verse, all right? Put a bookmark there. Now, then turn to Galatians um, chapter 5, verse 18. Put a bookmark here. Galatians chapter 5. Now, I will now not answer and ask you. I've, I've, I've done the easy ones for you, right? Um, Galatians, sorry. Galatians chapter 5, verse 18. Now, let's read. 518 um, together reading but if ye be led by the spirit ye are not under the law oh Christian you should stop attending these churches that teach the Ten Commandments and keep emphasizing on obedience because if you are led by the spirit you are not under the law don't you know now that is the third way that they say First, they say, as long as, or second way, as long as I know in my heart I love God, I don't really need to go to church, I don't really need to study the Bible. As, in my heart, my, my, my intent is always, always good, always good towards others, always good towards God. So I don't need to read the Bible or study. And then the other one, the other group of Christians that often say, uh, that often answer about, well, I don't need to know the Ten Commandments because you know what? I have the Holy Spirit. And it, the Bible tells me the Holy Spirit, if I have the Holy Spirit, I am led by the Holy Spirit. In fact, it is more important that I be led by the Holy Spirit so that I'm not under the law. I let the Spirit lead me. In the morning, I get up, I pray, Lord, oh Holy Spirit, you know, for this thing, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to choose? So I don't go to the Bible and study and then go to church and learn. I ask the Holy Spirit to lead me. Churches that use the law, you know, what if that is not what the Spirit wants you to do? Right? So now that spawned. This error spawned the charismatic movement's emphasis on dreams, vision, being led by God and asking for dreams from God because God will reveal it to you. The Holy Spirit will give you the dream, will tell you, will speak to you. And they de-emphasize the studying of the Word. Why do you think in many charismatic churches in their Bible studies, no, sorry, in their fellowships, fellowship meetings. There is no Bible study. There is just purely fun. Get to know one another, games. Why? Because we don't need the law. We don't need to be led by the law. We are led by the Spirit. Okay, the important thing is that. So you pray. I hear of, of teachers in Christian schools telling our children in those Christian schools, you mean, you, mean you, you don't ask God for dreams and vision? Then how, how are you led? We are led by the Spirit, you know. You have to start asking God, all right? So this is what your children is going through. And you come back, Daddy, Mommy, you know, my teacher said, I'm led by the Spirit. Don't, can we stop having family worship? Better for me to go to sleep, maybe. Then in my sleep, God, the Spirit will tell me, show me dreams, all right? That's better. Led by the Spirit, not under the law. Now, what is it saying then? What is it say, saying? Now, it gets more difficult now. Um, uh, maybe I try um, pay. 
So you're thinking this is about salvation. Um, it cannot be, okay? Um, he is talking very clearly to believers and how believers should live. Okay, excellent answer, right? Excellent answer. What Paul is saying, now, if you have the Holy Spirit, then what? Then you will want to obey the law. If you have the Spirit, you do not need someone to keep reminding you. That's how you explain to your child. All right, so the next time your child says, I'm led by the Spirit. Daddy, I go and sleep, all right? I let the Spirit tell me what to do. You carry on with family worship. They say, come and sit down first. What it is saying is, there are Christians who live this way. Okay? Um, I must obey the law. I must do this. I must do that. There are Christians who do not like that. Do not like to be told what is in the law because it, it goes against them. Don't listen to rock music. Um, don't, don't go to these parties. Don't, all this don't. Is it? So they feel that well, they are compelled to obey. But what Paul is saying is this. Now, look at verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, that you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. This is what he's saying. Now, if you keep forcing yourself to obey the law, young ones, listen carefully, even adults, even seniors, I don't like to be told what the Bible wants me to do or not wants me to do. So Paul has to address this. Now, Walk in the Spirit. Then you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Then look at verse 17. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so ye cannot do the things that ye would. He said, now, if you are truly saved, somewhere in your heart, you will want to obey God. But you must know, even after salvation, there is no sinless perfection. You are delivered from the penalty of death, which is, which is eternal judgment in hell, but the, 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 pres, the sin and your flesh is still present, all right, with you. And that is what will cause you to struggle against the law. I don't like to obey. I don't like to be told to be obeyed. So what Paul is saying here, yeah, you know, after you become a Christian, you will have struggles. You will not like the law. The solution to that is walk in the Spirit. The solution is that then walk in the Spirit means let the Holy Spirit lead you. What does it mean? It means whatever the Holy Spirit tells you. How does He tell you? In the Word of God, His commandments. Whatever you know that the Holy Spirit wants, submit yourself to it willingly, obey it, go with it, go with Him through the Word. Don't struggle, all right? Don't struggle against the law. Now, in fact, he would say this, look at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit. Now he said verse 19 to 21. Now all these things are things that you used to do and they are still present to tempt you. And you struggle with them. But he said, but the fruit of the Spirit is, and we hold up a whole long list. Now, what is he saying? Now if you constantly, constantly not grieve the Spirit, constantly, willingly, not wait till daddy and mommy tells you, church preaches against it repeatedly. Then you say, ah, oh, okay, okay, I'll obey. I said, instead of that, have a life that you yourself willingly respond to the Spirit's conviction of your sins. 
And I say, when you keep doing that, you keep walking that way, you will find that the Holy Spirit, now He will begin to control your life, your thinking, and these things which are natural to the Holy Spirit, verse 22, His traits will begin to now be stronger in you and those will be your natural behaviours. They will be what you will do more naturally from here onwards. So when Paul says, if you be led by the Spirit, you're not under the law, he's not saying, well, if the Holy Spirit leads you, you do not need to know about the law. He's not saying that. He's saying, all the more, know the word. Submit to the word willingly. Don't take it as it's a law, so I must do it. Take it as I love the Lord. I want the Holy Spirit to help me to love the Lord. Now, do you remember just now I said, leave a bookmark there? Now it says, verse 14, for Romans 6, 14, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. This is another way of saying what he just said in Galatians. Sin will have no dominion over you. Your flesh and sin, they keep trying to dominate you. And if you walk in the flesh, meaning you submit yourself to it, it, would, it will dominate you as a Christian. You are delivered from the power of sin. You should not be dominated by it anymore. You can overcome it. But if you let yourself, so Paul is saying, sin shall have not dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. You see, when the Christian is under grace, he is constrained by the love of God. His desire is to obey God. And when the struggle comes, he does not obey the law unwillingly or hate the law. He loves the law. He wants to obey the law. That is why he's grieved. He said, I do not want to be dominated by the flesh anymore. All right? I am saved by grace. And God will grant me the gracious strength to obey him. All right? So please understand these verses correctly. Now, then we have one more. We have one more. Galatians chapter 2, verse 19. So these are very common verses. Galatians chapter 2, verse 19. Common verses that you have to be clear in your own heart. Otherwise, you say, uh, actually, I don't need to study the word. Um, Galatians chapter 2, verse 19. Now, let's read together. For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. So now, there is this this saying, hey, Christian, you are alive to God. You are dead to the law, you know. You don't need to keep hearing about the law of God anymore. You must be dead to it. Just love God. Just be led by the Spirit. Now, how are you going to answer this? Yeah, try another one. Um, Thomas. I see you shivering, right? Thomas, yes. Good context, mm-hmm. Okay, very good. Excellent. So from the context, you know, Paul just rebuked Peter for observing the laws and the traditions of the Jewish people. Now, to the point where, where Peter himself began to withdraw from the Gentiles. So Paul had to say, I am dead to the law. We are believers. We are dead to the law. Very good. All right, excellent. So dead to the law. 
but it still doesn't answer this question. Um, the context tells you that. So now you have to go to theology, you know. <laughs> All right, you got the tough one. We've done this, we've done this. Now you have to go to theology. So it still doesn't answer the question. I am, I through the law am dead to the law I might live unto God. So it doesn't answer the question, um, Thomas. Why did Paul say he's dead to the law? Dead to what law? May I ask you, are you dead? Customs, all right? Customs. What else? All right, works. What is one of the works? We have to do works to be righteous, but not for salvation. For example, the Jews, the circumcision, right? And so on. Now, in fact, he was also talking about, um, let's see, Galatians chapter 2, verse 19, right? Yes, so he is talking about, now, all this kind of law. What law? What law is he say I'm dead to? Now, that is where theology comes in place. Now, if you do not study the Word of God precept upon precept consistently through your life, you will not understand theology. You can know this good. It's good. You're safe. You may even go further because you read the Bible yourself end to end. You, you, you know different parts of the Bible, what it says, so must not, must not um, must be consistent with the other parts of the Bible. But theology, this only comes through years of studying now, what is the theology? What law is Paul saying? I'm dead to the law. Now, when you study the Bible across, you know context, you know all this, then you begin to realize in the Bible, there are, when God says law, there are three kinds of law. It's all right to shout out loud here. All right? Say, Pastor, we don't have x-ray vision, you know? Um, uh, yeah. So the Bible has how many kinds of law? Three. I give you the hint already. What's the first one, CP? Say again. Moral law. All right. Second one, Susan. Ceremonial. I didn't realize that you choose this because you study as a lawyer. All right. The third one, which in? Civil law. All right. Laws of the land. Now, when you read law in the Bible, you have to ask yourself, what law is God talking about? When Paul said, I'm dead to the law, but yet at other parts he says, the law is good. So Paul is contradicting himself. If you do not have theology, you will always say, Christ contradicts himself. Paul contradicts himself. One moment say, the law is good. Next moment say, I'm dead to the law. Now, ceremonial laws, for example, the religious law, circumcision, and then all the offerings and all that. The religious laws that they observe in the Old Testament for sacrifices in the temple, for circumcision, and all those kind of things. Then civil law. For example, if you steal something, steal one lamb, how many you should return, and all that kind of things. It was the law specific to Israel, not to us. So you cannot take... All right, so that is civil law, okay? Law of Israel that God gave to Israel the people of Israel, to rule Israel as a country. It is not for Australia, all right? 
In a sense, you should not take and say, hey, you know, the Bible says you, if you steal one, you return five, and then nah, Australia must implement that. All right? So it's civil laws, ceremonial laws. Now, this is the problem that Paul was rebuking Peter with. The Jews still want the people to observe all these kind of things. And Peter continued to say, oh, you know, I better hang out with hang with them only because they're keeping the ceremonial law. So when Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, and you read the context, he is talking about, I am dead to the ceremonial law. These are no longer applicable when Christ has finished the work of salvation, which he explained in Hebrews. It is done. All these ceremonies were pointing to Christ. We do not observe this anymore. So he said, I'm dead to this law. All right? These laws do not apply to the Gentiles. Um, living in Rome. They are past, no longer. Israel is no longer a nation at that time. It's already it's overrun by the Romans, ruled by the Romans. Now then, the moral law. What is the moral law? Moral law means it's something that, is, that has to do with morality, righteousness. Now this law doesn't go away. The laws of God. When Christ said, if any man love me, he will keep my commandments. He came to fulfill all this and finish all this, but now he said he will keep my commandments. Which commandments? Which laws? The moral law for Christian living. And that, he says, upon all the, all the laws, all the prophets and the law hang upon the Ten Commandments. So the law of the Ten Commandments is perpetual. That is the moral law. So do we still study the Ten Commandments? Of course. But we make sure we understand in theology it is not these two. All right? Now let us pray.